The Katie Swatis Social Justice Podcast is now available on iTunes and elsewhere with the award-winning adventure novel Irreversible Damage by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. In this first book of a series on contemporary social justice activism, Katie learns that changes affecting her life were instigated by forces and people far removed from her and whose greed for a political and financial game means more to them than the lives they sacrificed along the way. Irreversible Damage, the Katie Swatis Social Justice Series, a novel by J.L. Reese, narrated by Mike Gomez. Chapter 10, The Game It was Friday night, time for the big game. Washington High was playing against its crosstown rivals, Rio Lobo High. The excitement was palpable, and the rivalry ran deep. In reality, neither school had a good team. The players of both sides were mostly rich kids for whom football was just a pastime. Their real future lay in the stock market, medicine, law, or engineering. Nevertheless, the game was as important as the Super Bowl to the town. Both teams were pumped. Washington High cheerleaders looked lovely in their sky-blue outfits. The small stadium was full. Not one more soul could fit in. Katie was, as usual, looking determined and a little stressed out trying to find her family good seats. She looked lovely in a fitted floral summer dress that showed off her shapely figure. Several of her male classmates waved, trying to attract Katie's attention. But she was oblivious, on a mission to find the best seats for her family. Seeing all the attention his daughter was getting from the boys, Lorenzo said with a mischievous smile, Katie, I see a lot of boys looking this way. Do you want to introduce us? Elizabeth gave Lorenzo a dirty look. Lorenzo, leave your daughter alone. Don't embarrass her. Katie barely noticed her dad's comment because her mind was still focused on finding seats and ultimately she found some on the 50-yard line. During halftime, Katie offered to go buy her parents some refreshments. Lorenzo asked for a hot dog and a Coke while Elizabeth wanted a pretzel. As Katie walked towards the concessions, she saw Brandon Schwartz and she froze. Brandon was the only boy Katie had ever thought was smarter than she was. They had some classes together. Katie had seen Brandon grab first place in math class and write the loveliest short story she had ever heard for English class. Ever since she heard the short story, she developed a crush on Brandon, but never told anyone, so he had no clue. Brandon was attractive and tall with red hair, very polite, and well-mannered. Both his mom and dad were physicians, and he had always shown an interest in being a doctor. Katie got in the soft-drink hot dog line and was trying to be inconspicuous and turned her head away from Brandon to avoid being seen. But Brandon spotted her and said, Hi, Katie. Didn't expect to see you here. I didn't think you liked football. Yeah, you're right. Football isn't my thing, but my brother is playing and my family wanted to see the big game. Well, I'm here with some friends and I'm happy I didn't miss it. This is a good game, said Brandon with excitement. Brandon liked sports, especially football. 
even though he was not very athletic. I saw your brother make a great catch. You must be proud of him. I'm not so interested in football, but I am proud of my brother. He is a good guy, but I worry so much that he could get injured. I close my eyes whenever I see he's going to get hit. Brandon laughed. You sound like my mom. She hates to see the hard tackles. Whenever my dad and I watch the Cardinals, she always says, football is like the Roman Coliseum, and it makes us laugh. Katie finally received her order. Okay, Brandon, it's nice seeing you. Katie was ready to walk away when Blair showed up. Katie cringed because she knew her friend was trouble. Hey, Brandon, Blaird said. What are you guys chatting about? As Blaird said this, she looked at Katie's eyes and smiled with her eyes. Katie felt like hiding under a rock. Blair, with a mischievous smile, said, So, Brandon, what are you guys doing after the game? Oh, I think we're going to the Rocky Cola. Maybe you guys can join us later? Uh, let me see if I can convince my antisocial friend Katie here to go with me. Katie did not find this amusing at all. As soon as Brandon left, Katie turned to Blair and said sternly, Blair, I can't believe you did that. I was so embarrassed. Blair, still smiling, said, Katie, if I don't help you, you'll never make out with Brandon. Don't pretend you don't like him. I know you too well. The game was exciting, and Zach was especially good that night. He tossed three touchdown passes, one of them to Mark. The game was tight, 21 to 21, and there were only two minutes left on the clock. Washington had the ball on its own 20-yard line. The team marched forward. By the time the clock had 30 seconds, Washington was on the 20-yard line of Rio Lobo. Both sides of the crowd were on their feet cheering. There was time for one, maybe two plays. The ball was snapped and Zach had the ball. Regal Lobo chose to rush the passer. Zach felt the breath of the pass rushers. They were coming fast as the receivers were trying to open up. Mark followed his route, but he could not get separation, so he changed his direction quickly. There was an opening, and Zach saw Mark from the corner of his eye. But one of the pass rushers had grabbed his jersey and started pulling him down. Zach made a last-chance throw, but the ball was thrown behind Mark's back. Mark's body contorted as much as a human could. He was able to touch the ball with one hand, but was unable to make the catch. The ball tumbled to the ground. The play had taken too long. As the team made an effort to line up again for a second play, the clock registered zero, and the ref's whistle signaled the end of the game. It was a tie, so no one had won the rights to brag that night. On the field, the Washington players had almost tasted victory, and they were visibly disappointed. Zach ran to Mark and said, Sorry, I tried to send you a better pass, but they were pulling me down. Brother, you had an amazing game, and I wish that I had been able to grab the ball. They were walking up the field when Cole came running toward Mark and pushed him hard to the ground. God damn, Beaner, you cost us the game, Cole shouted and threw a punch at him. Mark deflected the punch, and before any more punches were thrown, the entire team stopped Cole. People in the stands were horrified. The team walked towards the lockers with a couple of guys restraining Cole, who was behaving like a madman. Mark was very upset, sensing that trouble was inevitable.
Mark was not a violent person, and all this hatred against him was a new experience. Dude, I don't know what it is with Cole, Zack said. He really has it out for you. Finally, the coach caught up with him and said in a stern tone to Cole, Your behavior is unacceptable. I want you to leave immediately. You're not allowed in the locker room tonight, and tomorrow we'll talk about your future on the team. Mark felt uneasy, as he could sense the problem was not over. It was just starting. Not far from the stadium, Rocky Colas, a 50-style hamburger joint and a favorite destination of the local Paradise Valley teenagers, was buzzing. Most people were wearing Washington high colors and were in an upbeat mood. Overall, people felt it was a good evening, as Rio Lobo had won the last three encounters, had a better team, and was the favorite that night. Ending with the draw was not bad. Brandon and three other buddies were sitting in a large booth, talking loudly, almost screaming, as groups of teenagers often do. They were having a good time recounting the details of the game and arguing over who was at fault that the final touchdown pass was dropped. People had utterly different opinions depending on where they sat in the stadium and what perspective they had on the game. Brandon said that Zach's pass was thrown too far back to be catchable, while his friend John felt that it was definitely catchable and Mark cost them the game. As that discussion raged on, Katie and Blair walked in. Brandon had been glancing at the door every 30 seconds and spotted them immediately. Hey! Over here, I saved you a spot. Katie blushed, hating that everyone turned to look at them. Blair, on the other hand, smiled with great pleasure. She loved to be the center of attention. Hi, guys, Blair said. What a game, right? Blair didn't really care who won because football was not her thing. She wanted to socialize and meet boys. Brandon looked at Katie. Uh, I was just telling the guys that for sure Mark had no chance of catching that ball, but John here doesn't agree. John stuttered. Well, uh, uh, from my perspective, it, it looked like it uh, may have been catchable, but it was uh, uh, definitely a hard catch. He changed the statement, hoping Katie would like him. Uh, it's just a game, said Katie. I know Mark tried as hard as he could, so what happened happened. Katie was still shaken by the fight after the game between her brother and Cole. Even though she had a hard time seeing or hearing anything from where she was in the stands, people who were closer to the action filled in the details. Blair didn't want the conversation to go sour and said jokingly, Okay, guys, move over. I'm going to order the cheese fries. Who wants to share with me? I definitely can't eat the huge portion they serve here by myself. Blair's bright blue eyes sparkled when she smiled, and while Katie was the prettier of the two, the guys at the table were fighting to sit next to either one. They were just excited to have two hot girls at their table for a change. The only boy who was not acting like a hormone filled while teenager was Brandon. He didn't have a clue Katie had a crush on him. Not knowing was good for him because it allowed him to be his usual self. Smart, kind, and polite. Which were the reasons Katie liked him so much. While John and the other guys shared an order of cheese fries with Blair, Brandon and Katie enjoyed a conversation about math, science, and current events. You guys are such nerds, said Blair. 
Brandon decided to bring up the subject of Trump's candidacy. I can't imagine anyone taking Trump seriously. He's a celebrity with a bad reputation. The ridiculous things he says are dividing the nation. Such offensive, negative talk about women, Hispanic people. Katie interrupted. Mexican people. For some reason, he's chosen to directly attack Mexicans, not Hispanic people. Aren't they the same as Brandon? Come on, Brandon. You know better. If you say Asian, it could be Chinese, Korean, or Filipino. And they're not the same, Katie continued. But you haven't heard him say Cubans this or that, or Colombian this or that. He's been very specific about Mexicans. I guess you're right. I wonder why. Well, the good news is that there's no chance Trump will win. That would be a terrible thing for our country. Blair joined the conversation. I think you're wrong. My dad thinks Trump is going to win. And he's kind of happy. Then with a frown on her face, she continued. He said, finally, we're going to build a wall and keep those Mexican criminals out. And I got mad with him for saying that. John chose to side with Blair's dad and said, absolutely, build a damn wall and keep them out. John was unaware that Katie was Mexican, as were most other people at the table, so they spoke without filters. There was a definite disagreement on the table, while most people at the table nodded. Blair looked at John with her eyes wide open in disbelief. John, you know Katie's Mexican, don't you? John looked at Katie and said, Are you from Mexican-Hispanic? In John's eyes, calling someone Mexican was almost an insult, so he was afraid and unsure how to say the word Mexican and have it not been seen as an offense. Yes, I am Mexican-American. John tried to correct his statement and said, Well, what I mean is that those Mexican criminals from the drug cartels are hurting the country. I didn't mean nice Mexican-Americans like you, Katie. Up until that point in her life, Katie never had to explain or defend her Mexican background. Katie was surprised by how many people at the table agreed with Trump and wanted to build a wall to keep Mexicans out. Katie realized how correct her dad's prediction was and that when people heard abusive language from a national figure on TV, they figured it was okay to think and say those things out loud. Brandon, on the other hand, was offended. John, what you're saying is pretty offensive to me, and it's bullshit. My nanny, Esperanza, is Mexican, and she's the finest human being I know. Ms. Ramirez, my fourth-grade math teacher, is Mexican-American. I could give you a list of all the Mexican people I know, and they're just as good and worthy as you and me. Trump is just focusing on the bad people, ignoring that every group of people has its good and bad members. John felt the need to argue his point. Look, there's a lot of good Mexicans, and we all know that, but they're bringing crime and stealing our jobs. Look, dude, there's bad and good in any group of people. You always say you're Italian. Well, look at the mafia and all the deaths and terrible things they caused in this country. Should we expel Italians or say, those Italians are all criminals? 
John could tell he was outnumbered and decided to raise a white flag. Uh, this conversation is going nowhere. I agree there is good and bad in any group of people in the story. Blair changed the conversation and everyone talked about the game again. Katie continued to be impressed with Brandon's knowledge and ability to argue his point. Listening to Brandon speak made her forget about the actual conversation. Katie felt that the feelings she had for Brandon were founded on solid reasons. Katie was so interested in everything Brandon said that she even lost track of time until Blair said, Oh my God, it's late. My mom's going to kill me. Katie looked at her watch and froze. Blair, let's go. Brandon was a gentleman and walked them to their car. Opening the door for Katie, he held her hand firmly and said, It was so nice to spend time with you. You're so smart and funny. And I enjoyed our conversation. Katie smiled and said, Brandon, uh, I had a great time. She wanted to say so much more, but the words wouldn't come out. Her heart beat fast, and she felt a type of affection for Brandon that she had never felt before. Blair yelled from the inside of the car and interrupted her gaze, Katie, let's go! Brandon watched the car drive away. His mind was fixated on Katie's soft hands and her deep, distinctive voice. He could not get himself to go back in and join the group. So he decided to walk around the block to clear his mind. A few blocks away, a post-party had been raging at the Kicker's home, a Tudor revival mansion with dark brick walls and rich wood paneling and a front lawn with large manicured shrubbery. In the interior, marble floors led to a beautiful double-stair entrance. All the fine art and most of the furniture had been removed for the party, so this house was made for entertaining. Most of the Washington's varsity team was there, as were the popular kids in school. They were drinking, and the atmosphere was becoming wild. By now, the game was out of most people's minds, and partygoers were now focused on dancing to loud music, trash-talking, and making out in dark corners. Groups of boys and girls were going in and out of a bathroom doing coke. Mark did not want to go to the party after the game. It had left him with a bad taste. He felt guilty for dropping the ball and worried people would give him grief about it, but Zach insisted he go. Mark, it wasn't your fault, dude, and if anyone gives you shit, I'll kick their ass. Mark wanted to say that he could defend himself, but he didn't. He appreciated Zach's support. When Mark and Zach arrived at the party, it was in full swing. Zach, the star quarterback, was a celebrity. Like any teenage football hero, many girls liked Zach and wanted to be with him. Mark was popular as well, but that night he felt he would rather hide. Zack enjoyed the intention and being pulled in multiple directions, while Mark, across the room, chatted with some of the guys. Savannah came over and talked to Mark, and they quickly engaged in a fun conversation. Zack noticed how their discussion continued for over 30 minutes. Once in a while, they would look in Zack's direction and laugh. Zack started to feel jealous. 
and while starstruck girls were trying to get his attention, he could only focus on Savannah and Mark, all the while not noticing he was drinking too fast. Zack had felt it was only a matter of time until Savannah would end up being his girlfriend, but all the female attention had distracted him from declaring his interest. In Zack's mind, he felt Mark invaded his space, and he thought to himself, Who the hell does Mark think he is? Zack walked up to the chatty couple a little drunk. Hey, uh, Savannah, did you uh, see the game? Not too bad. Three touchdown passes. Savannah, annoyed to see a drunk and arrogant Zack, turned. Yeah, nice game. Nice game, Zack, but your last pass was uncatchable, and we didn't win the game. Savannah did not realize her words wounded Zack. His face got red and he barked. So, this is what this freaking loser's telling you? The pass was catchable. He just dropped it. Zack had assumed that Mark and Savannah had been talking about the game. Mark was shocked and tried to say that he had not said anything about the pass. But I didn't. Zack cut Mark off with a hand wave. Wow, Zack, nobody told me anything. I saw it. But who cares? You're an asshole. Zack looked at Mark and said, Fuck you, amigo. Savannah stared at Zack. You arrogant asshole. I want nothing to do with you, please. Don't call me anymore, she snapped and stormed away towards the back of the house. Zack was furious with Mark and thought he had put a wedge between him and Savannah. He pushed Mark hard into the wall, then ran towards Savannah, trying to explain and patch things up. Mark was dazed. This was not his day, so he decided it'd be better for him to let them talk. Mark grabbed a beer from the cooler and walked to the front yard to get some air. He crossed the huge front lawn and sat behind one of the large old trees surrounded by shrubbery on the side of the house. It was an isolated area and he needed space. Oh, what a day. His best friend sarcastically called him Amigo. He felt like his best friend suddenly saw him as a foreigner. He wondered what Savannah and Zach were talking about. Megan Clark saw Mark from afar, walk towards him. You see, Mark, bitches like Savannah are trouble, and what you need is a real woman. Megan was average-looking, but had a voluptuous body, which she usually accentuated with scanty clothing. Tonight, she was wearing a skin-tight miniskirt. Megan had liked Mark since middle school. Mark was aware of this and usually avoided her. Being drunk, with her inhibitions very low, Megan stumbled towards Mark. She fell on top of him, making him lose his balance and then kissed him by sticking her tongue down his throat. Mark grabbed her by the waist and pushed her forcefully away from him. You're stinking drunk. Get off of me. With Mark's push and her drunken lack of balance, Megan fell face first to the ground, scraping her forehead. It started bleeding. In physical and emotional pain at the moment, she cried with a loud ear-piercing pitch. Mark stared at her in shock and didn't know what to do. People with scared looks on their faces started to rush towards her, thinking something horrific had happened. Megan was embarrassed and humiliated. 
The crowd was stunned and silent. One of the girls tried to stop the bleeding from Megan's forehead with a napkin, but he wouldn't stop. Somebody asked, What the hell is happening here? Mark was being a jerk, Megan said, and tried to fondle me. When I tried to stop him, he got mad and pushed me to the ground. Everyone looked at Mark incredulously. Cole stuck his head off in the crowd and said, Yeah, I was watching through the window and saw Mark push his hand under Megan's skirt and try to grab her and then push her to the ground. Megan, feeling reassured, said, You see? In reality, Cole had not seen anything, but he could not pass up an opportunity to hurt Mark, having acquired a hatred for him. The crowd looked at Mark, Megan, and Cole and tried to make sense of what happened. Mark, who was also a little drunk, tried to argue his point and said, Come on, guys, Megan's drunk. Cole was emboldened by Mark's weak response. You fucking coward, I saw you. You're like all your beaner buddies, a coward and a rapist. David, Cole's friends, seconded his words and yelled, Yeah, what's up with you fucking rapists? The sentiment turned against Mark and the crowd took Cole's side. Zack arrived to see what the commotion was about. Your beaner friend here just assaulted Megan, Cole told Zack. Mark felt that if Zack backed his character, things would turn out good. Zack, you know me. I've always been respectful to women, and I would never do such a thing. Zack had not been able to patch things up with Savannah. He was still hurt and upset with Mark. I don't know, amigo. Zack would regret turning his back on his friend at that crucial moment for the rest of his life. Someone called the paramedics and cops, and before anyone knew it, Mark was handcuffed and booked on assault and suspicion of sexual assault. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts for the Katie Suarez Social Justice Podcast, based on the 2019 Best Latino Focus Fiction novel, Irreversible Damage, by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. A timely and poignant novel about a young Latina's courage, about personal growth, and following your heart, no matter how costly it may be. Kim Chavez, La Plaza de Cultura y Artes.